Hey there, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Evoke Greatness. This podcast was created for those of you who, like me, are driven by their curious nature and fascination with the champion mindset. If you have an insatiable hunger for growth and knowledge, or maybe you're just curious on how some of the most successful people have navigated their journey, we share the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, and all the lessons learned along the way. It doesn't matter what chapter you are on in your story. Maybe you're just getting started, or heck, maybe you're halfway through. What I know is where intention goes, energy flows. It's my most sincere hope that you will hear something in one or maybe many of these episodes that resonates with you and reminds you that you are not in this alone. As we venture into year two, I hope that you find a sense of connection and community when you're here because we all deserve a place where we belong. My name is Sunny and I am so glad you're here. If you're new, there's a few things you want to know about me. I am a huge book nerd and a wee bit of a control enthusiast with an obsession for motivational coffee cups. I believe that a rising tide raises all ships, and I invite you along in this journey to evoke greatness. Support for the Evoke Greatness podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in grooming. Breaking news. Our friends at Manscaped are now selling beard products just in time for Valentine's Day. That's right. The leader in men's below-the-waist grooming are once again revolutionizing the men's hygiene game with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Look, nobody likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble and tame his mane this Valentine's Day. Save 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using the code SUNNY20. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit is the ultimate Valentine's Day gift because you'll also be happy with this gift. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This electric beard hair trimmer is a premium beard sculpting machine. It's got a cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel and 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus waterproof, so he can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink or bathroom floor. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on his face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for post-trim hygiene. There's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember, your man's hair is different. Beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on his head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's beard oil. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making him look extra fine. Cap off the kit with the Beard Balm, a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit also comes with three free gifts. A beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure he has all the tools he needs for a perfect beard. You're going to love it, and he's going to love it. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SUNNY20, S-O-N-N-I-E-2-0. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Welcome back to another episode of Evoke Greatness. My guest today is Claude Silver. Claude is the Chief Heart Officer, VaynerMedia, optimistic rebel and leading expert and advocate in diversity and inclusion, as well as we just found out that we are both from the 505. We are fellow New Mexicans. Claude, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. 
Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Sunny. Absolutely. Well, you've done a lot of interviews. People know a lot about you. And so I really wanted to dig into some things that, that maybe add a little more insight to what you do and, and kind of how your heart approaches situations. And so I'm curious, when did it first become a distinction for you to lead differently than maybe most people practice on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, well, yeah. Go for the question right there. Yes. Big question. Um, I have two two responses that were very pivotal in my head. When I was nineteen, I left college after my sophomore year, and I was going nowhere fast, which I've talked about. And I told my parents I needed to find the longest like outdoor class I could. So careful what you wish for. I found a ninety three day uh, wilderness leadership outward bound course that had uh, had me in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, California. 93 days, 85 pounds on my back. I was the only young woman with nine young men. You know, we showered once every 18 days. You can imagine. It was really, 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 really roughing it. That is the first time I heard of servant leadership. That's the first time I heard the term. Um, I don't use that term anymore for obvious reasons, but it is who I am. And in that course, in those 93 days, you learn to, to put others before you. You learn to, that you work for others. You work in a pack. It's not solo. So that's the first time. And I would say the second time is when I was at another agency in San Francisco, and I recognized that all of the C-suite or the leaders all had offices and they shut their doors all the time. And I can remember thinking to myself, I really can, that's not how I'm going to lead. And uh, it just felt very exclusive. Of course, it was exclusive. And that was 2005, six, seven, and those were different days maybe. But those two things really stick out to me in terms of, you know, I'm going to go a different route here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think being exposed to that experience, especially the first one, you know, I, I, it resonates something with me. So I had a a bit of a, I gave my mom a bit of a hard time. We'll just say, uh, it mildly. And my mom Mm -hmm. had thought about putting me in this program called the Anasazi program. Mm -hmm. And it was very similar. You go out, um, and who knows, you know, if that, how that would have changed the course of my life. I finally got my head on straight, but it is, it is experiences like that, that deeply and profoundly impact you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you really realize, oh, you're with you and your thoughts. And so what am I going to do with these thoughts? If they're full of gremlins, I mean, you have to really figure out. No, no. And, and they were loud at that point in my life. So I really threw outward bound. I was able to, for the first time ever, really identify what those, the negativity was saying in here. Now it did take me some time to unravel that, but at least I caught it for the first time. Right. How has your lens changed over the course of the last, even say three years when you view the human experience, you know, lots changed in the world. Yeah. I'll tell you this, it's enunciated the need for tenderness. It's enunciated the need for care. And further, I guess, further affirmed to me that we are really all the same Mm -hmm. with very, very different lived experience, but that we are experiencing very similar emotions on an every day, every hour, every week, um, 
life cycle. And that ought to promote more empathy in the world. And in some places it does, and in some places it doesn't. Right. Yeah, completely agree. I'm a firm believer that it's never too late to steer a ship, you know, in, the, in a different direction in regards to how we show up as leaders. What advice would you have for leaders who may not have matured yet? Maybe, you know, don't have enough of an experiential lens to be at their best self yet. And by that, I mean, it's still kind of the me show versus my team and really, you know, experiencing that from a we versus an I show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just said my favorite phrase, which is we, not I. Uh, absolutely. I mean, first, let's send everyone we can on Outward Bound or the Anastasia. <laughs> That's right. That kind of kick in the pants sometimes is what it takes to really wake up and want to become self-aware because you need to become self-aware because there's a lion chasing you. I mean, just like we did in the, you know, way back in the, the Stone Age. Um, self-awareness for me is the key. It's really the alpha and the omega. And it's very difficult to teach that. You can show by example how, what my journey was, what your journey was, and how that led us to waking up to how we were sabotaging ourselves or whatever. Um, but I, it's very difficult to, you know, you can lead the, the person to water, but you can't make them drink. And so leading by example and also showing people, showing those leaders, those managers out there, the possibilities that exist if they tweaked that, if they tweaked that, not, hey, that was bad, but look what could have happened. Look what would have happened if you would have walked into that meeting room with your head held high and smiling rather than looking at your phone being really busy. What would have happened if you would have said, yeah, let's look into that rather than a no. So, you know, encouraging the growth mindset is a big part of that. And, you know, these, this is all jargon we can talk about all day long, but it's the tactics and how you execute and practice what that jargon is actually made out of, you know, growth mindset. Okay. Well, those are two words, but within those two words exist 20 things that you and I can do right now to make our day better, brighter, to turn someone else's lights on. There's, there is so much possibility. And so I think that's the thing. How do we help those leaders or those managers see a no and help them who see a no and help them turn it to a yes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, that is a powerful concept or idea to have permeate a, a workplace and organization, a culture is the creation of possibility, the creation of something that may not even yet exist. Cause I think that yeah. opens up the boundaries of what is possible, right? What can, what doesn't exist today that if we apply X, Y, and Z, we can actually make possible. Yeah. So the wonderful thing is I get the great benefit of working for Gary Vaynerchuk every day. And he's an entrepreneur and he is in the business of yes or yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and working in an environment like that encourages any leader, if they have their head on to see possibility, to see opportunity, not for themselves. That's easy for us to look for ourselves all day long, but to see it for others, because that's the name of the game here. You know, right. we're here. I, I always say like, this is, this is not about the Claude show. This is about 
turning you into a champion, turning you into someone who's thriving, turning you into someone you're proud of when you are sitting there brushing your teeth in the morning. Like, I like that person. It's going to be a great day. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I was thinking about this and I'm not sure everybody agrees with your perspective or the way you approach work or leadership. And what I have found is some people are, they're committed to misunderstanding us. Right? And <laughs> so great. how do we navigate that so as to avoid getting caught up in it, not feeding yeah. into that, that, that some people are just committed to misunderstanding you? I, I really, I like how you said that because how you said it has tenderness in it. It's not how it can sometimes feel on the screen when you read it, which sounds like can be very, very harsh uh, and nasty. Everyone has their their own unique way of looking at the world based on where they come from, what happened to them, how it happened, and how they feel today. You know, are they still living in the past and living in that trauma, or have they been able to take the PTSD and turn it into what's now called post traumatic stress growth? You know, growing from opportunities. So, I I don't set out to change people. I'll tell you that, and I learned that the hard way through relationships being very codependent as most of us are, especially in our younger years, trying to change that person. Um, So I don't do that. I just continue going. I just continue moving forward. And I definitely understand that my way is not the highway for many people and vice versa and vice versa. I mean, I only, all I can do is really just hold, hold respect for them and, uh, and hope that if they do disagree with me or something else, I believe in that they can, they can address that in somewhat of a, a human way rather than a nasty way, because nastiness isn't, no one listens to nastiness at the end of the day. It's just noise. So I guess that's it. You know, I mean, I could sit here and tell you, well, I mean, go read all the Buddhist teachings and go read the teachings of Christ and go read, you know, all of the spiritual books and whatnot and go read Jung and go read and positive psychology. And it's all going to tell you the same thing that I'm talking about, but I'm not going to say that because I'm not an expert in those things. You know, other people are much smarter than I am when it comes to that, but you know, I, I'm open to always hearing the other side. I yeah, really am. Yeah. And I think that approaching that from a place of being open to it, approaching it from a place of holding space for it, but not being negatively impacted by it is really, that's the power piece, you know, that, that positively puts a spin on maybe what could be a negative situation. Yes. And nothing is utopic. I don't have, I don't hit it out of the park every single day. And I'm not, I'm also not able to, you know, have, have that bounce off of me every single day because I'm human just like anyone else. Right. Right. Absolutely. Shifting gears a little bit, you know, looking at your daughters, what are some hopes that you have for your daughter's future as you look at it today? Well, we gave them very strong names because we wanted them to be able to walk into any room and really take up space with that name. So we've got Shalom, who is our four-year-old, and then we've got Edison, who is our uh, 20-month-old. My my hope is what I tell tell them each and every day, especially Shalom, the four-year-old, which is to be courageous and to be kind, to be bold, 
to be courageous, to be kind, to be bold, mm-hmm. and and all kinds of other things. But right. you know, she she and I and I put this on LinkedIn a while ago. Um, we send out like this the energetic kindness balloons everywhere we are. I want her to know that she has the power to put kindness here and to extend it elsewhere. And so, you know, I mean, she's four, so I'm, you know, so I'm not going like, Oh, put telepathic thought in there, but you know, my, my, my wish for them in the future is that they are strong, confident, kind, loving people that have the capacity to love themselves probably a lot quicker than I loved myself and thus to extend love and warmth to others. That's, that's really it. I mean, to have a generous spirit, that's really important to me. And they could pick up trash or or fly to Mars. It does not matter to me. That's, that's, that's beautiful. And I love the names. I love the power in the names of really giving them that, foundation to launch off of. Yeah. Thank you. And anything they come up against. Yeah. Yeah. Names are so important. It took me years and years to, to like my name because it's a French name and it it gets mispronounced daily. And it's, you know, people say Mr. Claude, but then I (laughs) finally got into the power of it. And, and there's something to be said about, this is who I am. It's my name. This is what I'm putting forward. What yeah. does the what does a day in the life of Claude look like? What are some some non-negotiable parts of your routine that you are just unwilling to skip out on? Yeah. So uh, a lot of this happened when we had Shalom. I definitely was a workaholic. Um, I work was actually a habit in many in many you know a hobby for me. Um, and so when we had Shalom, I immediately put on my calendar, you know, do not disturb before 9am and do not disturb after 5.30pm, which is unheard of. It would have been unheard of five years ago for me, but it's very empowering to do that. People know that they can get in touch with me, but my, you know, my day is done. I mean, I've squeezed the orange as hard as I possibly can. Um, So that's a huge non-negotiable. So I'm around for, you know, dinner and bath time and all of that, because that's for me as much as it is for them. You know, I'm, I'm learning a whole nother side to Claude at 53 years old that I didn't even know existed, you know, or, um, and, you know, the other non-negotiables are like it, trite. I mean, I have to have coffee in the morning before I do anything, usually a cup and a half or two. I have to work out. I have to listen to music. Um, there's certain things I know if I'm back to back to back on one day or maybe three days in a row, I have to cancel two meetings and I have to just sit and get me back to like where I can hear the hum of Claude. If, if that makes sense. Um, being outdoors is huge. Seeing, you know, seeing trees, talking to my friends, but like the real thing happened around having kids and the joy of, of the imagination that they have brought into my life. And now the, you know, the, the imagination that we share together. I mean, last night, Shalom and I sat in her bed. It was pitch dark. It was time for her to go to bed. And she said, can we count the stars? Well, there are no stars. It was dark, but we counted the stars. We saw in our imagination shooting stars. And it's just so cool. Like when would I have ever had that beautiful moment at my age? I don't know. I don't know. 
it's just, uh, it's just very cool. So that's, that's, I need, that's like, um, they bring me home. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny that the things that we do for our kids, right. That like the extent of the things I have an 11 year old and, and through COVID we really got passionate about uh, astronomy and we got all these apps and telescope and we would go walk and we would hold this app up and see what was above us and what's below us. And it, and it became this fascination of wonder that we both really yeah. loved and enjoyed. And, uh, few months ago, there was a lunar eclipse. And so he said, mom, the lunar eclipse is at, I don't know, like 2.32 AM. And so I need you to wake up and I need you to wake me up and we're going to go up back and lay on the trampoline and watch it. And I was like, oh, wow. So I was like, oh, set the alarm, set it for five minutes early, get him up. We go back out, you know, it's cold out. We have our blanket, we wrap up, we watch this lunar eclipse and it was freaking amazing. And I thought, I'm so grateful you know, to be able to wake up at 2.32 a.m. with my 11-year-old son who wants to watch a lunar eclipse with me. With you. Like, with you. Yeah. That's so, yeah, it's, uh, there's, uh, gratitude is the is exactly how I feel. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. What, su- what surprises you most about human resiliency? Wow. I mean, the ability to get back up after you've, after you've fallen down or been pushed down time and time and time again, not the first time, not the second time, but the 20th time Mm -hmm. that we as human beings have, have it in us to say, I'm not done yet. This isn't going to be the last of me. I, you haven't heard the last of me. This isn't how it's going to go down. And you know, we can knock ourselves down. We can get knocked down. Life can knock us down, you know, name it. The, the act of not turning into a victim takes a heck of a lot of resilience and strength and self-awareness to not go into victimhood. I can't, that happened to me, poor me, poor me. Um, and I, I think that is actually one of the most incredible things, those people that, and, and those of us that can, can be the phoenix and rise out of the ashes once, twice, three times and, um, and keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That's, that's a wonderful question. A really wonderful question because I don't know if enough is said about our ability, every single one of us and our ability to rise up and yeah. we don't have to do it alone. And that's kind of like the asterisk I want to put right there. In what ways do you seek to to stretch yourself or get uncomfortable? Another great question. <laughs> um, gosh. Okay. Being a parent for sure is a huge stretch. Uh, having a healthy relationship in, in when your parents is another huge stretch. Um, and also I think having very candorous conversations in the workplace or with friends that are, from such a warm heart and a good place and still being able to deliver that information because the person needs to know they deserve to know. And so, you know, we always say feedback is a gift when we withhold feedback or observations or opinions from, you know, Joe, well, it's sabotaging Joe and it's really minimizing who we are. 
So how do we reverse engineer that knowing that what I want to do is turn Joe into a champion, turn him into a person that can fly like an eagle. And I believe my subjective feedback would be helpful. Mind you, it's subjective. So I have to stretch. I have to really stretch to have that conversation and say, this is a vulnerability here. Or this is, you know, the fifth person that's come to me to say that the way you speak to them is, is really hard and harsh and it, it's lacking a lot of compassion. You know, how do I, I'm the messenger there, but I'm also there not only to deliver, but to help them unwind and unravel that. So I have to be prepared with, with all of my senses, quite frankly, to kind of move and shake however that person receives the information. Or if they don't receive the information, I have to be able to see around the corner so I can somehow get it in over there. Yeah. In a time in our world when organizations are reevaluating their culture, what culture Mm -hmm. even means to them, you know, it's easy to go down and and do the tick box. And what is our mission, vision, and values and throw it up on a wall somewhere But I think there are truly some organizations that are wanting to peel back the layers and get deeper and start a shift, or maybe uh, the old leader is out and a new person is coming in and they're really trying to make a positive impact in the world in which their people live, you know, and function for eight plus hours every single day. What Mm -hmm. guidance would you have for either a new leader or a leader who's, who is committed to a shift in the betterment of their culture? Mm -hmm. The first advice I have is one that I walk as well, which is being vulnerable and having to choosing to share things about me or my past or my uh, hesitations or downfalls with certain things, because I'm, I'm not any different. So if, if I'm the leader, it's important for me to get real so that they can get real and we can create a space where people feel safe. First and foremost, they feel psychologically and physically safe. That has to happen. You have to have that in order to build connection, belonging, trust, you know, you name it. Um, and then I think it's really important to look at the team in front of you or look at the, let me just say, look at the people in front of you and identify whether or not it is a group or a team. There's a big difference between group and team. In a workplace, my hope is that we are a team. That doesn't always happen, especially when you're uh, dealing with silos or on or off the island or no politics. You don't come here. I'm not going to share my information with you. So you have to get really real about like, who are we and, and who are we today and who do we want to be tomorrow and how, how quickly that change can happen if there are willing participants that are wide awake as you are, you know, walking into it with the eyes open rather than sleepwalking. So I think that's the first thing, which is really just being real. And you and I can open up any HBR Inc. LinkedIn post today, and it's all going to be on the three leadership tips, the three skills that you need, the this and that, what to say to be a mindful leader. And then we're all talking the same thing, which is getting real, which is getting in touch with yourself, which is being, you know, I can use the word authentic. I can use the word real, raw, like being able to self-regulate your emotions, of course, but taking people with you on a journey and having a vision 
to where you're all going together. That is helpful. People want to know where they're going, especially if they're about to open up to you. Right. When you think about, um, you know, we all, we all have a limited time here on earth, right? And thinking about that, what is something that you want to ensure that you create or achieve or contribute before you go? Yeah. I mean, I really, really want to be part of the elimination of shame Mm -hmm. in this world. And that will take lifetimes and lifetimes. But if I can be part of it, uh, which I do feel like I can take a small part of it, that's huge. And, and also as a parent, that's huge. And, and, you know, I said in the beginning, bringing more tenderness, like bringing a revolution of tenderness, of care, of, you know, not an eye for an eye, just the ability to turn the other cheek. As you said, what do you do when you see people that disagree with you? Well, they disagree with me. So everything that I'm talking about isn't, you know, soft, ooey gooey honey. It takes strength and it takes real uh, willingness and commitment to honing your, honing your skills and honing your, like, like your determination. If I want to, if I want to rid this world of shame, well, then I better start with me. Okay. I have, I've spent a lot of time on that. I can tell you that it's pretty much gone, but you know, you and I could on another conversation, I can go right back there. Right. It's, it's, it's easy, but shame is a killer and it's a blocker. And there are so many people that live in isolation and loneliness and addiction and whatnot, because that fear of not being wanted, liked enough, because they did something so wrong. And you and I are not the judge and jury of what they did is wrong or right. I'm, I can only judge myself. But that's, yeah, that's a really big, and, and thank you for the question. No one's really asked me that question, but that's what I want to do. And so if I can do some of that at Vayner, that's fantastic. 2,000 people, I have a playground you know, to play with where my only job description is to bring empathy into, you know, every single person. And I also need to remember, like, I don't get it right all the time. I don't, there's no way I could. And I have to continuously commit and be consistent with my way of being. And I'm a firm believer that, that we are shaped in life, not by the peaks right? Of our wins and our successes and all the pretty, you know, Instagram highlight reels. I'm a firm believer that we're shaped a lot in the Valley. Mm. And so I'm curious if there is a, a powerful lesson that stands out to you that has really been something that has helped shape you. You know, it's, it's oftentimes really hard in the moment, but boy, we come out kind of a different person on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, one, I have to say Outward Bound was the first pivotal moment for me in my life. I was, like I say, I was going nowhere fast, drugs, bad decisions, bad boys. Like, And I really had to wake up and say, this isn't how it's going to go for me, but I don't know how to get out of this until I get away from everything that is consuming me or enticing me. That was a really, really big moment. I mean, waking up at at coming out of Outward Bound and waking up one day and or coming back from, I was a bartender and coming back from that night of bartending one day and saying to my parents, 
in the night, like I have a problem with cocaine and I'm going to get this fixed. Mm-hmm. That was pretty difficult. Yeah. And then the next day, this is back in a phone when you had phone books, but the next day, Santa Fe, New Mexico, looking up like, oh, and it said cocaine anonymous. And I went and somehow, I don't know how I went. I, I, my, my eyes were so shut from crying. Um, but somehow I got there and that was a big wake up. And those meetings were very helpful for me because those meetings and any meeting like that, I think is, is what reminds us or opens our eyes up to the fact that we are all so similar. Right. I mean, I was 20, I was a 22 year old kid sitting there with, you know, much older people that, you know, were snorting glue when they were four, like, God, I'm so sorry for them, but I didn't have a whole lot of difference except for my life experience. So that's why I go back to always saying there is no difference and I'm I'm always, and you are, one step away from that if we don't have our wits about us and, and keep committed to who we are and where we're going and who we want, how we want to be. Like, how do I want to show up every single day? Right. And fortunately, it keeps on happening. I keep on showing up the same, the same, the same. And that's a big part of, I think, a, a happy life somewhat is is the consistent life consistently showing up in this way yeah and i'm i'm really grateful for your authenticity and vulnerability when it comes to sharing that oftentimes people don't want to share that that secret stuff that stuff that they would perceive as shameful as yeah. it would make yeah. them look bad and i think when we talk about those things it was really kind of the premise of creating this podcast was how do we talk about all the junk in between where we started and where we are today yeah. and really, you know, allowing it to come out, but it allows people to, to see you as a person. It allows people to recognize that maybe if I'm stuck in this place, it's not such a good place and it may feel like rock bottom. There's a top to this. And I'm going to come out on the other yeah. side of it and that, and it gives them hope. Yeah. H- hope. Like I know, I know some people think of hope as like, well, don't open yourself up to too much hope. I've, I've heard that, but for me, hope and optimism are the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's the promise of a new day. It's the promise that the sun will shine tomorrow. I will wake up again tomorrow. And I have a new opportunity to get it right, whatever right is for me. Right. So I'm, you know, I I think it's really important to share those things and to share, you know, my my road, for example, has been so incredibly windy and there's nothing linear about it. And that's what's worked for Claude. And what works for Sonny and what works for Bobby can be very, very different. My brother and I are best friends, 18 months apart, completely different roads. And we still love each other. We're still, you know, hilarious with one another. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. As we wrap up, um, you know, I'm curious, how, how do you define greatness? The answer I have is one that I've already shared here, which is, a generosity of spirit and leaving people better than you found them. So for me, it really all is about the one-on-one and the one-to-many, like how many we have, we have this ability. You have a platform. I have a platform. We talk to people at the coffee shop. We're in the world. We have an ability to make or break someone's day. We do just with a look, just with a smile just with a wink, 
just with saying nothing in the elevator. And again, this takes practice, but I, how do you want, I want to, I want everyone to have all the wonderful fortune that I've had of, of the generosity that's been brought to my life by family members and friends and Gary and partners, kids. So I think of it as great. I define greatness as really being able to unlearn a shitload and, uh, and, and have a very generous heart and one that I know is meant to serve. That's a beautiful definition. Thank you. It's a long winding road to get to that definition. <laughs> you know, we build, I've been fortunate. You've been fortunate to build a body of wisdom and a body of warmth. And I know my heart needs to share it. I know it's not just for me. And I'm ever grateful that I have Gary and I have this role and the platform that I have to, to share it. Cause it's, what's mine is yours. Right. What's yours is mine. Where can, for those who want to find out more about you, find out what you're doing, you know, what's, what's going on with you. What's the latest, where can they find you at? Yeah. The, the biggest place I'd say is LinkedIn. I'm pretty vocal there. I have a website. It's claudesilver.com. And, um, and that's really it. Instagram. I use my, I, I would say more personally, although someone just, um, was an imposter out there and asking people to give them money for crypto. That's not me, but, um, <laughs> I would never do that. But, um, uh, LinkedIn is a great place and you can always, you can always just hit me up on email. Great. Great. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time. I know that you have a lot going on in your world, but I, I want to acknowledge you for the amazing way you show up. So thank open, you. so authentic, so willing to share your lessons with others to really make the world a better place. And so I'm grateful for you and for your time today. Thanks. Thank you, Sunny. I appreciate you. Support for the Evoke Greatness podcast is brought to you by BlendJet. Anyone who knows me knows that I do not travel without my portable blender. I have morning green smoothies every single day. BlendJet 2 is portable, lightweight, and slips right in my bag or purse. You can blend a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so when you're making your morning smoothie, you don't have to wake up the whole house. This thing lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. You literally just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It cleans the whole thing out. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use the promo code SUNNY12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code SUNNY12, S-O-N-N-I-E 12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Thank you so much for listening and for being here on this journey with me. I hope you'll stick around. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world for me if you would rate and review the podcast or share it with someone you know may need to hear this message. I love to hear from you all and want you to know that you can leave me a voicemail directly. If you go to my website, evokegreatness.com and go to the contact me tab, you'll just hit the big old orange button and record your message. I love the feedback and comments that I've been getting, so please keep them coming.
I'll leave you with the wise words of author Robin Sharma. Greatness comes by doing a few small and smart things each and every day. It comes from taking little steps consistently. It comes from making a few small chips against everything in your professional and personal life that is ordinary, so that a day eventually arrives when all that's left is the extraordinary.